Well, in recent weeks, we've been hearing parables and stories all pointing toward this final judgment on the feast of Christ the King, or the last Sunday of the Christian year. And we've been reminded, and it's been suggested, and we've been set up to hear that we will be judged. And we will be judged on the basis of how we have treated the weakest among us. And, and both last week and this week, the Gospels finished with a certain amount of gnashing of teeth and outer darkness and all that sort of thing. And one 12-year-old girl, not related to me, turned to her father after hearing it and said, anger management issues, <laughs> you know, <so laughs> then repeated it in, in Sunday school. Well, you may have noticed that, the, that we are living in anxious days, and it may not feel quite as anxious uh, as it did in September, but the reality is there is a huge amount of anxiety in the ether, in the atmosphere. And it's coming out in all kinds of funny ways. And we're all affected by it, whether we feel particularly anxious at the moment or not. Um, an economist writing in yesterday's paper compared what's going on now with recession and a power vacuum in the country with what was going on in the 30s and saying it's probably going to get worse and there's that kind of language going on if you read any news or turn on the television. And, and it, while we may or may not be particularly worried about the markets, there's, there's just stuff going on. It's hard to have a conversation with someone who's on a fixed income or someone who sells real estate or someone involved with hedge funds or money markets, whatever it is, who is not just kind of worried and, uh, and, and cautious. It's coming out in all sorts of ways. It's a little, maybe you're finding that, that decisions that most years are easy, like what you're going to get people for Christmas or, or how you're going to celebrate or what sort of budget you're going to have. Maybe those decisions, what programs you're going to sign up for. Are you going to take the family, to the, the friends to the theater, whatever it is. Those sorts of decisions become a little weightier at the moment, a little harder to make and anxiety is rampant. If there's anything weird going on in your life, it's probably the same stuff, uh, anxiety working itself out. You've heard from someone a voice from the past that you didn't particularly like when it was the present. You know, that's anxiety working itself out. There's a lot of just stuff out there. And so it's, it's strange in the middle of this to, uh, to throw into the mix the message that you will be judged. You know, most of us do not particularly welcome examinations, uh, dental or school. It's just one of those things that we don't do. There are people, of course, who do welcome examinations as an opportunity to get a little amount of praise going, you know, a little affirmation. But for most of us, being examined is not, being tested is not really something that we relish. And it in itself creates a certain amount of anxiety. And so the question becomes, how do we manage? How do we regulate our own anxiety uh, in an anxious age? How do we regulate it so that we can become something of a gift for others? You've heard me, or many of you will have heard me talk before. I know that, that some of you are gathering with family and friends for, for Thanksgiving, and you've heard me talk before about the fact that most families have in them a great aunt so-and-so or an uncle what's-it who just by walking in the room ramps up the anxiety. Oh, my God, what's she going to do now? You know, please, can we get through without, without a political argument? You know, whatever it is, there's someone in the family who's likely to do that. And equally, there's someone in the family, very often, who it's just good to be around. 
It's just somehow when that person's there, everyone's having a good time. They don't have to say anything. They don't have to do anything. They're just a wonderful presence. It's like, it's like just wait till your mother gets home. And when mother gets home, uh, all anxiety seems to calm down. People act normally and get on with it. So old cousin, like that wonderful cousin who you don't see very often, but it's just great to be around her. People just seem to be happy when she's in the room. That's, that's someone who has, is having the opposite effect. It's helping everyone live a little less anxiously and a little more freely. How do we regulate our own anxieties in an anxious age? In some ways, we're not even conscious of being subject to this anxious age. How do we regulate our own anxiety so we can be a gift for others in the sort of way that Jesus was a gift to an anxious world and an anxious time? How do we regulate ourselves to be less anxious, less fearful, and more free, even when the reality is there's a lot to worry about. Uh, we all have our own tricks. I was listening to a radio interview with a, uh, a professor of behavioral economics from, from Duke, a man called Dan Arley, who wrote a book called uh, Predictably Irrational. And he's, he talked about how he was studying everybody's response to the markets and this, that, and the other. And then he said, but of course, I'm dealing with it by not looking at any of my investments, my 401k. I don't want to know about it. It's just out of sight, out of mind, and it will be what it'll be. And that's how he's regulating his own anxiety. You've heard me before and the fact that I think it's helpful not to watch television if you wish to regulate your anxiety. Or if, you, if I'm worried about money, I'll, I'll try and make a gift. What do you do? We all have ways of, of sort of bringing ourselves back to what matters. Now, in family systems theory, of which, from which some of this comes, they say, well, the way you get a sense of yourself and the way you connect again is you start getting in touch with your family of origin, an opportunity that many of you will doubtless have on Thursday. And, and you find out the secrets, and you find out where the bodies are buried, and, and you let, hear again the stories of, that you sort of knew but didn't quite know, and whatever happened to that person who we don't talk about? You know, those sorts of things, it's recommended, are a way of getting more in touch with self in a way that helps us be non-anxious. And that's fine, but I think for Christians, in the Christian family... One of the ways in which we remember who we are and get back in touch with what really matters and live more freely is to remember our own Christian story and to remember who we are as people beloved of God. And that's, that's what we do around this table uh, every week is remember what is of ultimate worth and allow it to shape us. And that story includes judgment. And that story includes really radical judgment. And, the, and, and often when God draws near, we experience ourselves as judged or convicted or unworthy or in some, way, in some way called to be better than we are or reminded that we are not better than we are. And into this mix comes this gospel. Before the nine o'clock service, I turned away a deaf man who wanted $5. And, and, and I knew this gospel was coming up. If you've done it to the least of me, you've done, it, you've done it to me. And I felt like a slimy worm or something like that. I was not sure. I don't know if I did the right thing. I do what we do. But the reality is that most of us, in fact, all of us, are going to fail at some level to live up to the demands and the vision and the breadth and the beauty of the gospel in our lives. 
And so one of the ways in which we sometimes try and deal with that is to, is to justify ourselves or to back away from judgment or try and avoid judgment. Um, Lord, when did we see you hungry? I mean, if we'd known it was you, of course. You know. but, but, but really that wasn't my fault or whatever. And, and when we start making those kind of arguments, we are in fact pushing ourselves away from the breadth and depth and hope of God's grace. We are, in fact, condemning ourselves. The alternative is to turn into judgment. And I know this sounds strange, to turn into the test and to welcome it, because that is where we are going to be reminded and affirmed of God's grace. That is where, when we turn into the judgment, knowing, knowing that we haven't lived up to the fullness and breadth of the gospel, that we may hope with a reasonable and holy hope, the assurance of a reasonable and holy hope, that we will once again be profound recipients of God's grace, that we will be forgiven. This uh, cup is poured out for the forgiveness of sins, the stuff of life given back to us that we may know newness of life, even on the other side of judgment. That as we are forgiven, so we are raised. And we are reminded week after week that we are loved by God. We are forgiven. We, we can't measure up except by God's grace. We can't do it in our own strength, or if we can, we don't, except by God's grace. And so turning into judgment is in fact, however counterintuitive, a way to regulate anxiety because it reminds us that we can face anything, that we can roll with those difficult things, and they are difficult in our lives, that we can roll with them because in the end we know we are loved, we know that we are forgiven, and we know that we are freed to be a little less anxious and rather more of a gift to those around us. And so I wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving and ask that we respond to the gospel in silence and in prayer, remembering how we live by God's grace. Let us pray.